Turn with me to two openings, please, this morning, uh, James 3 and Proverbs 18. James 3, Proverbs 18. James 3 and Proverbs 18. James 3, verse 1. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Just hold up your hand real high. Turn with us to James 3. Verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation or judgment. Um, You'll be responsible for what you taught people. If you taught them well, you'll be rewarded. And you have a part in their success in their life. If you led them astray, you'll be held accountable and responsible. Verse 2, for in many things we offend all, but if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. He's telling us that our tongue in our life is like the bit in that horse and like the rudder on that ship. I think if you write it today, you might say like the steering wheel. Because that's what's used to control that direction of that animal and the direction of that ship. Is the tongue, is your tongue really the steering wheel of your life? Keep reading. Even so, the tongue, he said, is a little member. And boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity sows the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body. And sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. So hell can inspire the tongue. And start something that turns into a raging destructive force. Like a spark starts off a fire that destroys thousands of acres and homes. Didn't look like much as a cigarette butt or as a match, but it turned into something terrible. Words, he said, are that way. Well, can heaven inspire the tongue? Can words of life and power be spoken? That you might, people might not notice that much in the beginning, but it starts something in motion. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until millions are blessed. Can it happen that way? He said, uh, verse 8, the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That's not talking about you can't control your own tongue. You can't control mine. You can't tame another person's tongue. Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. It ought not to be so that we talk life and then we talk death. That we talk the answer and we talk the problem. We talk curse and we talk blessing. We talk failure. We talk victory. We need to cut off one side of that. Anybody know which side to cut off? (laughs) 
Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? No, the same kind of water comes out of the fountain all the time. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? No. A vine, can it bear figs? No. So can no fountain yield both uh, salt water and fresh. So we need to cut out the bad and speak only the good. Go to Proverbs 18, please. Proverbs 18 and the 20th verse. Proverbs 18, 20. He said, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Fruit is produce, what your mouth produces. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. We should only be speaking increase. There are so many people, let's just, in our country, that don't really know God. Some don't know God at all. Some are born again, but they know nothing about the principles of faith and how he operates and works. And we've got millions of people that are talking problems and decrease. God needs somebody in this country to talk increase. That's us. And you and I need to be able to watch the worst TV report and news report and business report and look at it and say, I don't care. The church is in this country. And for the sake of the church and those that need to come into the church. The Lord's blessing this place and sustaining this place. And in spite of the dumb things that people have done and and poor decisions and poor leadership and everything else of the past 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, whatever the case may be, God will bless us anyhow. He's prospering us in spite of this. I just don't know what the country is coming to. There's millions of people saying that. We don't need you and me saying that. They're not going to say anything else. They don't see anything else. They don't understand this. But you do. I said you do. And I do. So we're responsible for what we know. And we must talk faith. Hmm? Everybody said out loud, our country country is blessed. blessed. The Lord will keep us. us. He'll bring us out of our problems. He'll continue to protect us. We're coming out of this slump. We're coming up. We're prospering in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. I've had the Lord say to me concerning family things. And, uh, you know, personal relationships and stuff uh, that I'd so, you know, I knew I didn't have a right to ask certain things for certain people because of the decisions they had made and what they had chosen to do. But I just asked the Lord for mercy and said, Lord, just I'm asking you for mercy and for some time and space for them to repent. I've had the Lord tell me, speak to, I don't mean I heard a voice, but speak to me inside. He said, son, Keith, I'm going to do that just because you asked me to. Glory to God. Do you believe that? Just because you asked me to. What did the Bible say? You have not. Why? Because you didn't ask. Would the Lord do things that the nation doesn't deserve? Why? Just because we asked him to. I believe it, don't you? So let's ask.
We've been asking and let's, let's keep on asking. That's one of the big reasons we have the prayer night on Wednesday night all the time. We start off by praying for our leaders and, and that kind of thing. And the Lord has and does and we'll answer our prayers. And there's a lot of folks just like us praying too. And the Lord will preserve this thing for our sakes. In Proverbs 18, 20, we were reading, A man's belly will be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. We're talking increase. No decrease. Not staying the same. I'm trying to look and see if you believe this or not. I'm talking about you. You. What about you? The Lord said something just uh, what a week or so ago about some houses and stuff being paid off just in the next few weeks. That's increase. How many believe God could get you in much better shape in the coming weeks and months than you were this past year? Much for increase. Much. Much. He spoke to us what back in October. Better. Better. Better than it's ever been. If there's a word from the Lord, we need to lay hold of it and believe it and remind ourselves of it frequently and expect, expect, expect it to come to pass. You expecting? I'm expecting. Phyllis and I are expecting. You better be expecting. We're going somewhere. Come on, are you, are you on this train? We're going somewhere. And we're picking up steam. It's exciting to me. We're picking up steam. Glory to God. He went on to say, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Is that true? You're reading the Bible. Huh? Is this a true statement? Does it matter what we say? How much does it matter? Death or life? It's a matter of life and death. What we say. Most folks don't believe that. Most Christians don't believe it. A lot of people that hear it don't want to believe it. Because if it's true. I need to get a hold of myself. And start controlling what I say. But uh, we read the scripture in Psalms. That said uh, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? That means I say what I want to. Tell me what to say. Well if your lips are your own then Jesus is not Lord over your lips. And think about it. When you get born again, is your mouth involved? When you get filled with the Spirit, is your mouth involved? In these first and most important things in the walk, Christian walk, our mouth is pivotal. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. That's how you get saved. You're filled with the Spirit and speak. Then why would we think that other spiritual things are disconnected from the mouth? And that they don't matter. Does it matter what you and I say? How much does it matter? It's a matter of life and death. That's not, you know, trying to uh, expand it. That's exactly what it says. Now let me ask you a question. Let's go on into this today. Does God hear what we say? Does he care what we say? Hmm? You know, there's a lot of folks that believe 
that God created all this. He created this planet. He created us. And he gave this thing a spin. And he basically just checks on it once in a while to make sure it's still there. But as far as all the little piddly, trivial affairs of all human beings on the planet going around and what they're saying and what they're doing, ah, no, he's not aware of that and he doesn't care. He wouldn't care. He's God. He's got bigger stuff to deal with. There's a lot of people believe some form of that. But it is not true. I said it is not true. The truth is God is listening to us. God is listening to us. And he's hearing what we're saying. And he cares. It matters to him what we say. This is a revelation, isn't it? Listen to some scriptures on it. Everybody excited today? I, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ezekiel 35. You don't have to turn there. They'll put it up on the screen for us. 35, 13. Ezekiel 35.13, he says, with your mouth you've boasted against me, and you've multiplied your words against me. I have heard them, he says. Did he hear them? wonder if he's heard anybody else's words. <laughs> he said, I heard what you said. I heard what you said about me. Now we're going to be talking about this a little bit later on, but this is this is something that's come as a greater revelation to me just in the last few days. That what we say about him affects what he says about us. I hadn't thought as much about that. And yet I'm seeing it clearer and clearer. What we say concerning what he has said and about him affects what he says about us. Let me give you an example. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, what did he say would happen? I will deny you. But he said, if you confess me and my words before men, what did he say? I will confess you before the Father and his angels. So it's what we're saying affecting what he's saying. About us. Most have not. Believed this. Or seen this. Well then. We begin to be more and more aware. Of how important it is. What's coming out of our mouth. Because everything. He says. Happens. And what he says about you. Is affected. By what you're saying. Are you thinking with me, friends? Are, are you with me? The Lord said in this passage, he said, I, I heard what you said. Listen to some other scriptures along this line. Malachi 2 and uh, 17. Malachi 2, 17 says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. What does weary mean? Weary means worn and tired. Now, the Lord never gets weak. He never gets tired in the sense of being weak. 
But you can get tired of hearing something (laughs) without being weak. And, And apparently the Lord gets tired of hearing people say things. He said, you, you've wearied the Lord. Now, that's not a good thing, to be weary in the Lord. What does that mean? It means he didn't like it the first time you said it. And you've said it another 39 times. And it's wearing on him. <laughs> in that case, what should happen? We should quit saying it, shouldn't we? <laughs> in the third chapter of Malachi, Malachi 3.13, He said, your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. Does the Lord hear our words? Does does he care what we say? Does it matter to him? He said, your words have been strong against me. And yet you say, and they said, what? What did we say? And verse 14, he quoted them. He said, you said. It is vain to serve God and what profit is it, what good is it that we've kept his ordinance and and we've walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. What good is it? We've worked hard, we've prayed, we've confessed, confessed, we've sowed and and here we are. The Lord said, I don't like those words. How many know that it's questioning his faithfulness? If he said you sow and if you don't faint, you shall reap. You don't need to be talking anything else. But what if you say after you've sown, after you've said, after you've stood, but then you get weary and well-doing and you cast your confidence away and you say, ah, that stuff don't work. I don't know what I was thinking. I just, that's something these preachers invented just to get money. Ah, well, Now, does what he say about you, is it going to be affected by that? Can you see this? Because aren't you in a sense there denying him and denying the validity of his word and the reality of it? Then what will happen to you? You'll be denied. Confess means to say the same thing. And he said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If he says all your needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, then what do you say? You ought to say exactly what he says. He said it. That's what I say. Hmm? And no matter what you feel or how many bills pile up or what changes in the economy, you can go to Philippians 4.19 and it will read exactly the same. Because he is the Lord and he does not change. His word does not change. It does not need to. It's perfect and heaven and earth will pass away. But that word will never pass away. It will never fail. And so if you're saying that and believing that, you are standing on the rock that cannot be washed away or worn away. But will you be tempted to say something else? Oh, you will be. Just every day. You'll be tempted to say things that are contrary to the word. Stout against God. You'll be tempted to say things that weary the Lord. Let's get our mind renewed. Let's think about what we're saying and ask ourselves the question, 
Is that bothering the Lord? What I'm saying? Is it wearying him? Is he tired of hearing me say that? Because I don't want to be irritating the Lord. Anybody with me in here? Do you? I don't. I don't want to be talking and him going, boy. Quit saying that. Does he listen to what we say? Yes. We've already saw there are many scriptures, many scriptures along this line that prove that conclusively. Does he care? Does it matter to him what we say? Obviously it does. Turn with me to Jeremiah and let's look at a situation that makes it even plainer. That there are certain things that actually anger the Lord if you say them. In Jeremiah, the people for years had been forgetting God and his words. They had just been sinning grossly, right, and doing some abominable things. And because of that, the word of the Lord had come that judgment was coming and destruction if they did not repent and get right. And so they didn't repent, and so the word to them kept coming about judgment. How many know that's the mercy of the Lord? Judgment could have just come. Why is he telling them it's coming? Give them a chance to repent so that it doesn't come. Because then the Bible say, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. But they were taking it as a negative thing. And they got to the point where it bothered them. And so they named the messages the burden of the Lord. And so they would ask the prophets, what's the burden of the Lord? And they said this one too many times. And in verse 33, Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 23, 33, the Lord said, when this people or the prophet or a priest shall ask you saying, what's the burden of the Lord? Then you say to them, what burden? I will forsake you, says the Lord. This is serious, isn't it? Keep reading. And as for the prophet and the priest and the people that say, the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man and his house. Did the Lord hear what they were saying? Does he care what they're saying? He cares very much. Has this wearied him to the point it's angered him? Can you see this? Verse 35. Thus shall you say everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother. You say, What has the Lord answered? What has the Lord said? Or what has the Lord spoken? He said, that's what you say. Verse 36. And the burden of the Lord shall you mention no more. For every man's word shall be his burden. He said, your mouth is your burden. (laughs) And it is. Was their mouth bringing judgment on their self? By the way they were talking. Now let's just stop here. Don't don't think. Let's not think this is uh, inapplicable to us. Because even if you're not using that exact word, it's the spirit of it. It's the it's the what now mentality. What do they want now? What do we got to do now? And. Referring to things irreverently and disrespectfully. The word of the Lord coming to them, it wasn't a happy jump up and down message. 
But it was life saving. And repentance was in it. And they could have been saved and turned around. But they despised it and said. Ah the burden of the Lord. Every time that preacher preaches. It's another bad thing he's saying. He's saying this is going to happen bad. And that's going to happen bad. I'm just tired. What's the burden of the Lord this week? (laughs) Verse 38. But since you say. The burden of the Lord. Therefore thus says the Lord. Because you say this word. The burden of the Lord. How many times has he mentioned it? <laughs> he, can you tell? He is. He don't want to hear this one more time. He is fed up. With this phrase. That they're using. This burden of the Lord. And I sent to you. And I told you. You shall not say. The burden of the Lord. <laughs> you know this ought to get clear after a while. Shouldn't it? <laughs> Verse 39, therefore, behold, I even I will utterly forget you. I forsake you in the city that I gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence. And I'll bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame which shall not be forgotten. Now, he said some things about them that wasn't good. But what affected it? What initiated it? What they said. Oh, can you see this thing? What they said about what he said caused him to say something about them. And everything he says happens. Does it matter what we say? How much does it matter? It's a matter of life and death. Isn't it? Have we lived like it is? Have we lived like God is hearing every word that comes out of our mouth and like he cares about what we say? No. By and large, no. Can we change? Should we change? Is it important enough that we ought to get on it with both feet and and do it now? It is. And and friend, this is don't don't let this be a you know a sad, a grievous thing to you. This is good news. I said this is good news. Everything the Lord has told us has brought us to this place now. Come on, are you listening? And he's been talking to us about miracles and signs and wonders. Do you know a big part of miracles is faith and speaking? Come on, are you listening? I mean, he wants to get us to the place where we believe and we say and things happen. Amazing things happen. But in order to get us to there, he's got to correct us. We, We can't talk out of both sides of our mouth. We can't talk life and death and blessing and cursing and junk and faith. And failure and victory. We got to cut that negative stuff off. And discipline ourselves, So the Lord can turn up the power on our words. Come on are you listening. Can increase the power. Until what we say. Effects. And changes. Can you say glory to God. Glory to God. Go with me to Proverbs please. Book of Proverbs. Tenth chapter. We are making progress. Thank you Lord. Yes we are. Our minds are being renewed. By the word of God. And it's being renewed about the place of words. In our life. Most people on the planet. 
think words are, are, are merely for communication. Words are simply a way for me to express myself, what I feel, what I think, what I've seen and experienced, what I want, what I need. Merely a a vehicle of expression. But words have always been so much more. God uses his words to create and to change. And you and I are made in his likeness and image. He is a spirit who speaks and creates. We are made in his image speaking spirits. Come on, are you thinking about this? This is an awesome and amazing thing. We are made with the ability to conceive something in ourselves and to see it before it exists out here. That's a spiritual ability given us of God. We can conceive it. We can see it vivid and real before it ever exists out here. And we can take words, specific words designed to produce and fill them full of faith and speak out of our spirit and release power. Come on, are you listening? Power that creates good things. Power that stops bad things. Come on, are you listening? Power that comforts and consoles. Power that builds up and edifies and strengthens. Power that soothes and ministers peace. Power that heals. Power that brings provision. Stops problems. And brings supply. And provision. But what in most Christians been saying what are we going to do oh God help us oh God help us oh God help us another 10,000 times please God help us what does he do with that what can he do with that if he's moved by begging with you he's no respecter of persons then anybody that begs gets miracles begging doesn't move him to action. It touches him. But he can't act on it. Needs don't move him to action. If he was moved by needs. There are terrible needs all over the planet. Miracles would be popping all over the planet. If needs moved him. No matter how desperate the need. It's not enough. He told us how to do it. And if we won't rebel against him. If we'll do it his way. He's able to do amazing things in our life. What did Jesus say? Mark eleven twenty three. Put it up on the screen for us. What did Jesus say? He said, whosoever, who will this work for? Anybody. That will say to this mountain. That's not prayer. That's not asking God to do something about the mountain. See, people are missing. There's the, some people are... are Praying when they should be saying. You're say, you're not talking to God about the mountain. And you're not talking to people about the mountain. And you're not, you're not talking about the mountain. You're talking 
to the mountain. Oh, that's Revelation right there. Right. How many Christians are talking about the problem? You're not supposed to be talking about the problem. Tell me what you're supposed to be doing. Help me out. You're supposed to be talking to the problem. Oh, I've heard about y'all, they say. Y'all are those confess it, possess it bunch. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about that. That's, that's, uh, they told us that was error. Which one of these verses is error? People ought to watch what they're making fun of. I, I didn't say Mark eleven twenty three. These are red letters. Jesus, the master, the head of the church, he lived this way. He operated this way. He told us to operate this way. Didn't he? Put it up again, Mark eleven twenty three. What did he say? What did Jesus tell us? If you'll say to the mountain, be removed, be removed. Why would you say that? See, you're seeing in yourself it being removed. And so you're putting faith in your words, believing these words will cause it to be removed. See, what do you believe happens when you speak? Most folks thought, well, I hope they understood me Knew what I meant. Knew how I felt. If that's all you believe happens. Then that's all that happens. Could you come up to another level? Being created in the likeness and image of God. Being made a speaking spirit. That you are. Could you come up to another level. Whether you actually use your words. To do something. To accomplish something. It comes right back. It's just as simple as this. What do you believe happens when you speak? If you don't believe much happens, then it it won't. But according to Jesus, Mark 11, 23, put it up. According to him, if you'll say it, and not just say it, but if you won't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you said shall come to pass, Why would it come to pass? Because you said it. (laughs) Why would it come to pass? Because you said it. And you believe that you say in it. Make it happen. Makes it to happen. And the folks say, oh, well, I don't believe in that. Well, you won't be bothered with it. It will not happen for you. Oh, that's just, that's extreme. I just, yeah, it's too much for you. Because your mind hasn't been renewed. Because you've heard religious junk instead of the word of God. People think that it takes something away from the Lord for us to operate like that. And that we need to put him in a category that's unattainable to us. Well the Lord could say and do things like that. Because he's the Lord. But uh, we're just us. And, and what we say. You know. It's just talk. 
if if you say so. (laughs) It's not going to take anything away from the Lord for you and I to walk and operate like this. People must think the Lord feels threatened. I assure you. The highest height you can reach and operate in this life. You're not going to steal the Lord's thunder. You ain't going to come close. (laughs) But people have the idea that we need to be groveling worms in the dust. So as not to take away from him. Because. No. The bride of Christ, like a man's wife, is his glory. The more glorious we are, it's the better reflection on him. And like we already said, no way, no how we're going to outshine him. Never, ever. No. Words have always been more than just communication. With God and they should be with us. Everything he says. Happens. Everything. What happens when you talk? What happens when you speak? Well whatever you believe. Happens. Happens. If you don't think much happens then it won't. Proverbs. Did you find Proverbs 10? Here is one of the first. Ways that you and I can act on this word to affect this change that needs to happen in us. Are you ready? We're we're down to you and me changing. Are you ready? Okay, you said you're ready. Proverbs 10 and 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not, there's no lack of sin. But he that refrains his lips, restricts and and controls his lips is wise. Much talking equals much sin. If you talk too much and talk all the time, there's no way you're going to avoid sinning. So what's the answer? Hmm? Talk. Less. I know this sounds simple, but this is huge in us getting where we need to be on this. Two words talk less. <laughs> hmm? Now, many, 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 many people will not do this, they just won't because they like to talk. And they're going to talk. And they just can't be bothered with having to think about what they're saying. It just it, it takes too much time and takes the fun out of it for them. And so they are in the category of my lips are my own. Who is Lord over me? I'm going to say what I want, when I want, how I want. There's supposed to be a filter between what you think And what you say. (laughs) How many know there's supposed to be. A vetting process. A qualification. Examination. Isn't it? (laughs) 
I can tell you all are excited about this. Go, go to Proverbs 15:28. You might not be quite as excited about this, but I'll tell you one thing. If you get to doing this and, and the power comes up higher on your words and you say things and they come to pass, you'll be excited about that. Proverbs 15, 28, what does it say? The heart of the righteous studies to answer. But the mouth of the wicked does what? They have a gusher. (laughs) It's just a gushing out. If it comes across their mind, .005 seconds later, comes right out, no filter. If they feel it, they say it. If they see it, they say it. If they think it, they say it. And if you do, you will be sinning. You'll be sinning. The Bible said in the multitude of words, there wanteth not, there lacks not sin. Much talking, much sin. Does it matter what we say? The heart of the righteous does what? Studies. Young's literal translation says it like this. The heart of the righteous meditateth to answer. Meditateth before you answer. Now that's going to change the way you talk. Say it out loud. Think Think before before. (laughs) you speak. speak. (laughs) Now this has been said before. This is not an entirely new concept in the world. But it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to practice it. If you've not developed in this at all. It can be quite challenging. And uh, you be ready to say a bunch of stuff. And while people are talking. You want to jump in and say a whole bunch of things. And, and just think about it later. But. You're going to act on these scriptures, so you can hold up, hold up now. What are they saying, and what was I going to say, and should I say that, and is that in line with the word? And if I say that, how will they hear that, and what kind of effect will it have on them? Will it help, or will it hurt? Will it take their mind down a way they don't even need to be thinking? And time you get through with all that, you may look up and they're leaving. The conversation is over. But you didn't sin. Come on, are y'all listening to me or not? You might not have got your two cents in, but you didn't sin. But the thing is, if you start practicing in this, you'll get better at it and you'll be quicker at it. But in the beginnings, it can feel awkward to you. And it's not because it's not right. It's because most folk are so far away from how they should live and operate. Because they didn't grow up in the word like this. They grew up with words not meaning anything. Just talk. Psalm 39, 3. You don't have to turn there, but listen to this. I, I like the way this says this. He says, my heart was hot within me. And while I was musing. What does musing mean? Thinking, meditating. The fire burned. Had something going on in there. And then what happened? Then. Spake I. With my tongue. It was hooked to something. He was looking at it. He was thinking about it. And it just kept getting stronger. And while he was musing and pondering it. It got stronger and stronger. And he knew. I need to say this. (laughs) 
Is that the kind of thing that comes to pass? The kind of thing that power is released in? Go back to Proverbs, please. Proverbs 17, 27. In case it was not clear enough, let's go over some more scriptures on this. 17, 27. What does it say? He that had not, has knowledge does what? Spares his words. Sparing. Use your words, sparing. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. How many believe there's wisdom for the right thing to say? In every situation. I'm reminded of when they came. And and caught the woman in the act of adultery. And drug her there in front of Jesus. And said the law says stoner. What do you say? He didn't answer. He knelt down. He's operating as a man. Now you got to remember this. I believe he's looking. I believe he's checking this. I believe he's looking to the father. And he rode in the ground. As though he heard them not. Why? He doesn't need to answer based on what they're saying. Come on, are y'all listening to me? Say, See, isn't this a totally different way of operating? Well, they're asking me this. That doesn't mean you have to answer that. Particularly if they're not over you in some capacity, then you don't have to submit to them by answering exactly what they asked. In fact, unbelievers that are not over you in any capacity and you should not submit to, Jesus didn't even answer them. More than once. He did. Some people he didn't say a word to. Others, they said, what gives you the right to do this? And he said, well, let me ask you a question. <laughs> He's not going to answer them. You know, the enemy will try to get you to pick between two wrong choices. He will push you and press you and say, the, time, the clock is ticking. We've got to do something. It's coming up now. It's coming up in three days. You've got to pick this or this. This or this. But if you're like Jesus, isn't that what they were saying? Stoner or don't? Stoner. Stoner or don't? He wasn't satisfied with any of that. So he didn't say anything. How many know oftentimes the best thing to say? It's nothing till you find out what to say. You know, after you've said the wrong thing, how can you get it back? It's like an arrow that's left the bow. It's like a bullet that's left the, the barrel. How you get it back? But you can always call them back later and go, hey, I know what to say. <laughs> That was two days ago I asked you the question. Yeah, but I got it. (laughs) I got it. And it'll mean something. Instead of just answering a bunch of stuff off the top of your head and and saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing. I believe he stooped down there. He's writing on the ground as though he heard them not. And I believe it came to him. He knew exactly what to say. He said, I say what I hear my father say. I do what I see him do. He saw him doing this in him. And he stood up and he said, he that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Well, they were not expecting that. that huh? What do they do with that? Now, now everybody looks at them like, yeah. Don't you pick up a rock. I know. I know you. 
Did he have exactly the right thing to say in that situation? Did it totally turn the situation around? It was the wisdom of God and the power of God. Would he help you that way? Would he help? Do we not have the same Holy Spirit that was in him and on him? But you have to wait on him. So many folks are so impatient. It's the nature of all our flesh to just be impatient. And so something comes up and you just want to get an answer and get it over with and let's just go on. But if you don't have it, you don't have it. And look to him and ask him, Lord, what should I say? That takes time, doesn't it? That's a that's that vetting process I was talking about, that qualifying filter. A wise man spares his words. Ecclesiastes five, would you go over there please? Ecclesiastes five. Ecclesiastes five and two. In the NIV, let me read it to you. Do not be quick with your mouth. Like we've heard this before. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. Is he listening? God is in heaven. You are on the earth. So let your words be few. Come on, think about it. Your student is in the classroom. The teacher's got 45 years of experience. They had one of the most successful careers in their area in the world. They wrote textbooks on it. They're a good teacher too. The student never even started the job yet. Who should talk? Who should listen? Should the student say, well, I was thinking and it just seemed to me like maybe we could do it like this. And I thought, well, I'll try this. Who cares? You don't know. Right? Hush. It's bad to not have anything to say, but it's worse to not know you don't have anything to say. You're talking and don't realize you don't have anything to say. And so you're telling everybody how foolish you are. And you don't realize that you're just, you're putting your ignorance on display. A wise man would do what? Would be quiet. I've had some people look at me. The Lord's helping me through the years. Teaching me along this line. So sometimes I've asked questions. And and was quiet at certain times. And I've had people look at me later and say. You already knew some of that. I said yeah. But I didn't know what you knew. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart. To utter anything before God. God's in heaven. You're on the earth. Let your words be few. Is there anything in the New Testament about this? How about James 1.19? What did it say? Let every man do what? Be quick to hear. And what? Slow. The slower you are to speak, overall that's going to mean less words. Because the quicker you are to speak, you've got more time to get in more words. Slow to speak equals fewer words. Slow to speak, slow to get angry. The uh, verse 3 says, As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. A lot of this is an answer to 
Why did I dream that crazy dream? A lot of dreams come as a result of what? Cares. You've had something on your mind too much worrying about it. And the speech of a fool when there are many words. Ecclesiastes 10, 12 in the NIV. 10, 12. Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious. But a fool is consumed by his own lips. At the beginning his words are folly. At the end they're wicked madness. He gets worse as he goes. (laughs) And the fool multiplies words. I don't want to be a fool. Do you? This is very, very simple. How do we take this first step in being a doer of this very important word? Talk less. Think about what we're going to say. And don't just talk to let people know what I think or how I feel. Use words to accomplish something. That's how I pray. For I come stand before you. When I'm going to other cities and I'm going to other churches and conferences. I like to if Uh, And most of the time I'm able to get somewhere and get quiet for a while before I I get in there and pray and say, Lord, I ask you for utterance. I ask you for words that would help these people and me. Words, you know exactly the word that would cause this person to be released and relieved. You know the words that would strengthen this person that feels weak and feels like quitting. You know the words that would come into their mind and just clear it up for them. Are his words amazing? Are they life to those that find them and health to all their flesh? There are words that save. Words that cause to live and make alive. Words that heal. Words that deliver. There are words that come with such power when they hit people, bondages are broken off of their mind. Is it true? We're talking about the anointed word. The anointing does what? It removes burdens. It destroys yokes. This is not imaginary. This is real. You can't see it all because things are spiritual, but they're real. They're there. And it's happening. How many would testify that God's words coming into your life have helped you and saved you and turned you around? I'm not just talking about what you heard in here, but just throughout your life, the words of God have come into you. Well, you're born again for one thing. How about that? You're not going to hell. How about that? How'd that happen for you? You heard words. Words. Words of life. Now we've had some concept of how important God's words are. But we have fallen far short of realizing how important our words are. And that even what his words are, what he speaks about us are affected by what we say. Look at Matthew, please. In closing, I think. Matthew. 12, what do you believe happens when you speak? 
Most people, even most Christians would say, well, I, I haven't thought that much about it. I, I just talk. Then you don't believe much happens, right? And if you don't believe much happens, that's why not much happens. What did Jesus say? If a man, if a woman would say something and not doubt in their heart. In other words, what does that mean? That the word is for doubt is the same one translated waver. Don't wonder, will it happen? Won't it happen? Will it? Won't it? Will it? Can't, can't do any of that. Believe that what you say will come to pass. <laughs> come on, think about it. What do you believe happens when you speak? What if you believed that what you say comes to pass? What if you believe that according to Jesus, you would have what you said? Let them make fun. Let them mock. You can see the power of God in your life. You can see changes. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every mother knew how to walk up by our baby's crib and say, Fever, leave my child. And it did. What if every dad, every head of the house, and every dad and mom knew how to say, money, come in. We claim more than enough to pay these bills. Jobs, opportunities, come to us. Favor and blessing and increase. And it did. And instead of complaining about not having Enough to send the kids to school or college. Hmm? They're thanking God. Because they can give them a house, farm, cars. Hmm? I wish I I could, but you know, things just hadn't, they just hadn't worked out so good. And I just, I I don't think we're going to be able to do it. If you say so. And yet people, they won't think that's why. They'll think it's because of this other stuff. Just like the Israelites thought it was because of the giants. And the walled cities, come on. That they couldn't get in the promised land. But was it because of that that they couldn't get in? It was not because of that. It was because of their unbelief. I'm quoting scripture. They're the ones that said it. I'm not going to say that. What are you going to say? Help me out, friends, saints. What are you, what are you going to say? We will be able to do everything that we need to do and want to do for our family, for our kids, for the kingdom of God. Come on, we will be able to sow big seeds. In the kingdom of God and send the kids wherever they need want to go for school. And help them get started in business. Come on, are y'all listening to me? Help them get a house. Oh, I'd sure like to do it. It don't come by liking or wanting or needing. If you don't believe it, your words are empty. Well, I just, this is strange to me. Just keep hanging around. Just keep. Just keep feeding on this. It'll get in you. And your words will change. Sometimes people are saying it 
just because they heard other people say it, they don't really believe it. They're just trying it. That's okay. Just stay with it. Just keep feeding. And you stay with it long enough, something will click in you. Uh, and you'll say it. It might be the hundredth time that you said it, but this time it's different. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? This time you really mean it and you really believe it. There's some faith in it this time. That's when things start changing. Can you say glory to God? Matthew 12, are you there? 12:34. Again, I'm reading Young's literal translation, and this is as it describes literal. It's he's the author of Young's Concordance. You reckon he knew a thing or two about the language? Me too. Verse 34, brood of vipers, Jesus said. How are you able to speak good things being evil? For out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. If you want the right thing coming out of your mouth, you got to have the right thing going in your ears. Hmm? And getting in your heart. Sometimes people are surprised when they, uh, you know, something goes wrong and they mash a finger or stump a toe and cuss and go, ah. Oh. Well, this ain't nothing new. That was in you. Somewhere along the line, you fed on and heard a lot of cussing. You can displace that. You can get full of something else. And out of the abundance of the heart, instead of cussing, you could be full of faith and start speaking to it. Toe, I'm talking to you. I'm to- Toe, be healed. <laughs> How many of that's going to help you a lot more than cussing? Cussing ain't going to help you or anybody else. Let's do something that works. Something that helps out. Brings us some relief. (laughs) 35. The good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. Evil man out of the evil treasure does put forth evil things. Whatever you're full of, that's going to be coming out of your mouth. That's what you're going to be producing and having and experiencing. Verse 36. And I say to you. This is the head of the church talking, red letters, that every idle word, somebody say every idle word. I know this is sobering, but we need to hear it. We, we don't need to ignore this. Every idle word that men may speak, they shall give for it a reckoning in a day of judgment. Verse 37, for by your words you shall be declared righteous, and from your words you shall be declared unrighteous. Is this another plain example of what we're saying affecting what he's saying about us? Justified or unjustified? Righteous or unrighteous? What determines it? What you say. What I say. What should we say? I'm no good. Failure ain't much to me and I'm just a worm and I'm, or should you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. No, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it, but we are. He did it for us. He gave it to us. Confession is saying the same thing he says. What does he say? He said, I bought you. I paid for you with a price. You're redeemed. And Christ has been made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You've been made so. I've made you holy. No, you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't merit it. But is it true or not? 
So what are you going to say? And my God shall supply. All my needs. He protects me. The pestilence. The arrow that flies by day. He won't come near me. He won't come near the door of my house. With long life. He'll satisfy me. And show me his salvation. Now should you say anything opposite of that. Don't talk out of both sides. Should you say anything. Other than that. And millions of Christians will say, well, yeah, I know all those good verses are in there. But you know, they said that my case was such and such and such. And, and, that I, w- and I guess, you know, it, we just won't be able to, to make it through that. And we sure want to, want to be. Well, is this affecting your life? People don't think so. They think that's just talking. But it's life and death. Every idle word. People don't even like to read this verse. They don't like to hear it and talk about it because they think, ooh, every idle word. And people don't really understand it. And then they think, well, you know, nobody really watches everything they say. So, you know, the Lord knows my heart. And and so that means we're not even going to try. We're not going to change at all. Idle means inactive. Inactive. It's the same word used described, you know, the guys that Jesus told the, the story about that they were standing around in the marketplace all day with no work. Idle. Same word. Is every word that comes out of our mouth supposed to work? Is it okay for half our words to be inactive, non-working, useless, just talking, just yakking? Not supposed to be. Why? Friends, it doesn't appear now who we are and what we are. But we shall rule and reign with him throughout eternity. Soon and, I mean, a thousand years with the Lord's like a day. Soon and very soon, this life will be over. All this will be done. You and I will be ruling and reigning with Him. How do kings reign? They don't pick up shovels or rifles or drive trucks. How do kings reign? With their words. They say it. Hmm? You and I, are in training right now. And the Lord left us some devils and curse and junk to practice on. (laughs) I mean, if you had nothing to overcome, how are you going to be an overcomer? But instead of falling and being weak and talking a bunch of fear and unbelief, I mean, anything that comes up, we are to go into speaking mode. Come on, are you? We ought to go into faith mode, speaking mode. No, you don't. No, not in my house, you don't. No, that will not happen in my family. No, in the name of Jesus, I bind it up. I shut it down. I forbid it. Did the Bible say, now come on, here's what we've already been seeing two or three times. Whatever you bind, what shall be? Is something 
that the Lord is doing, being affected by what we're doing? Yeah. See, a lot of people don't want to believe that. They think it's all up to God. It's not. You can't leave up to him what he left up to you. People are trying, but it doesn't work. You can't do that. Every idle word. Go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, 11. Or they can put it up on the screen for us. What are idle words? Inactive, lazy words, useless words. Is it okay for us to talk a bunch of useless, empty words? See, here's the problem. Mark 11, 23. What does it say? If you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but believe what? What do you have to believe? Believe that the things that God said. No. See, here's the issue. You've got to believe what you say. And if you're a liar, you know you're a liar. It's hard to believe what you say. You know. If you talk a bunch of junk and you're you're saying stuff you don't mean, half the time you are training yourself not to believe what you say. And you do that for years and your words will be, most of your words will be idle and inactive and powerless. They will mean nothing. They will do nothing. And that's exactly where the devil wants the whole church. Doesn't he? Come on, think about the fear the devil would have of the church of God standing up like Jesus and believing and speaking and operating. Oh, you're talking about tearing up his playhouse. (laughs) So he, oh, he, he does not want you to hear this or me and you to know this. And do this. Too late. Too late. We know it. And we're going to do it. But if we want to have the power. In our words. What do we have to do? Can you see from the the scriptures today? What do we have to do? We've got to cut off. The useless. It doesn't mean you can't have fun. But. You know, even if you're trying to have fun, you can use your words on purpose to bring joy to people. Hmm? But you're not lying and you're not talking a bunch of junk. Isaiah 55, 11. What does it say? What did the Lord say? So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not Return to me void. Has God ever said a word that was a dud? (laughs) That it just, it just kind of like a bad shell, it just fell. (laughs) And the angels turned to the Lord and said, Lord, that one didn't hit. Must have been a dud. (laughs) Has never happened. Never will. Because everything he says. How much of it? Every word he speaks happens. Does he believe what he says will happen every time? Does he doubt and wonder if it will happen or never? Never. He wouldn't say it unless he believed it and wanted it to happen. 
He just wouldn't say it. The word that goes out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Oh, did you hear these words, friend? What did the Lord do with his words? He sent them. Why did he send them? To do something. Can we learn how? To send our words to do things. And can we grow until our words will not fall dead on the ground. And they'll not return to us without doing anything. But when we speak, they will effect and accomplish exactly what we sent those words to do. Oh, friend, in the middle of the afternoon, you can just say, I speak over my children. Just you by yourself. I speak over my children. I speak over my grandchildren. Be encouraged in the Lord. Be quickened. Be strengthened. And see, see those words leaving you. See them finding them. If they're in another continent on the other side of the world, it makes no difference. See those words finding them. And whether they even understand it with their mind, see some strength just coming into them. That's how God operates. You are a child of God. I said, you are a child of God. Made in his likeness and image. A speaking spirit. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.